Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR like a boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Over the last two years, John has interviewed amazingly awesome HR professionals, learning how they revolutionize the industry, how they're addressing market trends, and what it means to do HR like a boss. On today's episode, we're flipping the script a little bit, and we have a special announcement at the end, so make sure you keep listening. Today's episode is the last one before we go on a small winter vacation, so don't worry if you don't hear one next week because we'll be back in January. On today's show, I have John Bernadovich, Mr. Bossman himself. I know he loves that title. Uh, we first met when I was interviewing with Willary over eight years ago. Uh, our first meeting was in a Panera. Um, and so welcome, John, to your own show. Uh, would you mind telling us about you, your career, and how you cultivated your HR passion? Bridget, thanks so much. Appreciate all of your support and effort. And this is uh, certainly fun, different to be on this side of things. And I uh, feel the pressure that guests feel at times when they're trying to be on the show. A little bit about my background. I am uh, the son of uh, two two loving parents, uh, an executive in the healthcare space, and an artist. So, kind of unique combination. Uh, both of my parents were loving, caring people, and uh, encouraged me to get into business. Uh, I aspired to be a professional golfer for about a week of my life, and uh, that ended up not coming to fruition. But I'm super excited to own several businesses, and my journeys include stops at companies like ADP and a boutique search firm. And my time uh, started uh, forming the idea of Willery, which is kind of the formation of this podcast and around the book and idea of HR Like a Boss, really to serve the HR and payroll communities with a staffing and consulting service. And founded that back in 2010 and just have poured my heart into trying to serve that community as best as I possibly can. Thank you. So. How would you describe the purpose of HR? Yeah, so I, I love this question. It means a lot to me. Obviously, it's the first one of all the podcast guests that are on HR Like a Boss. To me, it's pretty simple. It's about connecting the people to the purpose of your business. And that's really a, a kind of a, a light bulb moment that happened in the spirit of writing the book. And I know probably talk more about purpose throughout the course of this show, but the importance of making sure that you have a team members, employees, whatever you whatever you call those wonderful human resources, that they understand why your organization exists and they connect to it in some personal way. On top of that, if you kind of put cherry on top of that purpose Sunday, is that they have an understanding of what your core values are, uh, kind of the rules of engagement, the things you hire and fire to, and that they align to those as well. Doesn't mean they have to be perfect to them. Doesn't mean everybody has to be uh, lockstep and uh, in a line, but they understand what those rules of engagement are, what those core values are. And if you get people that understand your purpose, they align uh, to the most part to your core values. And then we can have a great internal HR function to attract talent that's good at their job or can develop it in between. Uh, you have a recipe for a great formula as it relates to success in business and so on. Thank you. I think part of the recipe for your success um, has been relationship building. And so why do you think that's so paramount 
in human resources? And how can HR professionals do that a little bit better? And I know I influenced you with that word paramount because when I wrote the book, that, that was the most overused word in, in the, the manuscript. That and then imperative, which I think is in my questions as well. All right, paramount and imperative. I have influenced Bridget. Uh, as she has with uh, her English, uh, she she's got great 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 command of the English language, both spoke spoken and written. So, yeah, as it relates to kind of the that that particular component of it, relationship building to me is what makes the world go round. If you think about the things for those that maybe are retiring or retired that are listening to this podcast, and you look back at your career, more times than not, you're looking at the people you form relationships with, the ones you had experiences working on tough projects, maybe late at night, one evening, or you traveled around the country because you were on a road show for some engagement or promotion that you were doing. And the relationships you establish with those people end up being what you remember when uh, all this is said and done being your career. And so to have intention around that and to treat people like you want to be treated in a way that uh, you add value to them and you look for people that add value into your relationship, make you feel a certain way that you want to feel. And not everyone's going to do that. And obviously you're going to be selective as you get older. At least that's been my experience and who you bring into your world and cherish that friendship with and spend time with. But to me, you spend so much time working. You might as well do it with people that you like, that you want to spend time with, that you have a common purpose to, uh, that you believe in something together. And if you do that, it, it doesn't feel quite like work, in my opinion. I know we've talked a lot about relationships and kind of this idea of not only who is adding value to your life and where you're adding value, um, but also the idea of like connecting people who you enjoy talking to or you think might have similar interests and can learn from each other. And I think that's a really... Uh, paramount strength of build relationship building. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll add to that one thing that happens as a result of you spending the time to get to know people. And I think sometimes for HR, that's a hard thing. It's, it's arm's length at times. You don't want to get too close or intimate with individuals because you feel like at some point you might have to put them on a performance improvement plan or there might be a termination as a result of a RIF or something. And, and that, that, that's outside of your control. Those are things that maybe you uh, cannot control yourself individually. But I do think the fact that if you can get to know people in a way and understand what's important to them, where their strengths are, where their opportunities are, you can A, provide better human resources to your organization because that's your customer and you can get a sense as to what people need. And then secondarily, you can help them so that when you're out and about at an event and one of your employees is super into playing the bass guitar and you're at a bar and you can see the band doesn't have a bass guitar player. They got to sign up on the side of their uh, the band stage. It says bass guitar needed. You could connect your colleague with that bandmate. You never know what can turn into that. So that ability to connect individuals as you build relationships becomes something that can change people's lives, really can change people's lives. They could meet their spouse uh, as, a as it relates to that connection or a great friend or a new job or a brand new passion or a new project that they get involved in that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you getting to know them and taking the time to connect them with someone that may value uh, their expertise, their skill, their love, their passion. Great. I think um, one of the sections of the book, when I've been reading it again and again, that stands out to me each time is this idea that business is 
personal. It's not just professional. The, the phrase, it's not personal, it's business, does not ring true to you. I think people could probably see that in your last comment, but can you share why and how you came to that approach? Well, I've, I've worked with a lot of large companies. I've worked with a lot of small companies and those in between. And I think when I see organization treat people's people like a number that, it, and, and, and in essence, those individuals feel that way, that then you have a culture where it feels like it's not personal, it's business. And in my opinion, you can't, you can't strive and you can't build a world-class culture if you have that type of mentality about your human resource, about your individual employees, team members, you just can't do it because they are individuals. They all, they, they do have beating hearts. They do have minds that uh, wander or dream about certain things. And if you don't understand or don't have a connection or tie to that, I think at times it, it can really, really uh, be, be a deterrent to success. And like I said before, you might reach a point no matter what that you have to lay people off. Or you might have to make a major announcement that will impact people's lives uh, at work in a, in a negative way, and and that really sucks. That that's that's really something we want to avoid. But it it is a byproduct of our business and the success of it. And in my opinion, if you have people that you like or want to be around or can create relationships with that are have a like-minded purpose mindset and are cultural fit for the organization are good at what they do, my guess is you're likely going to be more successful, and as a result, avoid that riff or downturn as it relates to an economic change. So to me, it's, you know, relationships are, again, as I mentioned before, what makes my world go round and the reason why I do what I do, and I get a lot of joy and value out of uh, those bonds that you, you form in a second or over the course of 50 plus years. And I, I think if, 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 you're, if you think of that that way, or you have probably more importantly, other executives or team members within your organization that say it's 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 not personal, it's business, challenge them around that, right? Understand what are they doing to cultivate relationships with those individuals? Because as we know, until the McKinsey survey came out not too recently, kind of shift around this mindset, the importance of that relationship of manager to direct report is paramount. And if you don't do that well, if those managers aren't building that and forming that cult and cultivating that relationship with their direct reports to help them succeed, then they're going to leave more than likely, or they're not going to reach the, the heights that they probably could if they were getting that level of support. So it's, it, to me, it's, it, it's, pardon the French, I'm going to, I'm not going to curse on the website. I don't get, or on the podcast, I don't want to get coded, but it's, it's, it's BS. It's, it's BS to me. And uh, I encourage you to fight that fight and, and, and really represent and fight for your employees uh, in, in that HR realm. I think that shows your passion for also career development. Um, and I think one of the unique things about Willery is this idea of balancing, attracting new talent where we have gaps, but also developing and um, encouraging the people we already have. So what is your philosophy in finding that balance? Yeah, sure. It, it shifted over time. And I've, I've been very, very lucky, uh, very lucky still, as you know, uh, have a, a lot of long tenured employees that work at Willery and shout out to uh, Bob Haas and Jamie Myers for uh, being the first two employees still with uh, me and Willery uh, 10 plus years, if not longer. 
for, for both of them. So it's, it's really awesome. Sometimes you get lucky. And I, th I think uh, over the years, I've had an innate ability to identify talent and those that I think are good human beings that uh, also have the desire to achieve results. And so the, the balance between attracting new talent and developing the, the team members you have to me is, is uh, one of the key aspects that human resources uh, should really, all human resource professionals should really run toward and really make sure that they have a clear plan around uh, talent development, talent acquisition, and they're intentional about it. For, for me, it's gotten a little bit easier. I would say this for, for two reasons. Number one is we've been clear about our purpose and our values and what the jobs that need to be done in the roles we're trying to fill. So when we go out to try to attract talent for that, we certainly can make that clear to those candidates and the hiring manager. So it's, it's an easier formula in that sense. The other part is, and I don't want to boast, but I, I will boast, we've got a great group of people that work at Willery, Bridget included, and I mentioned a couple other names. They're really great people to work with. And we have a winning culture, a winning team. Uh, we have consistently achieved above results uh, throughout all the unique challenges that we've had. We're, and we're a growing business. And I believe that people want to be on a winning team. And I, I think we're that. And so when we talk to candidates and we're clear about our purpose, our values, and the jobs that need to be done and the roles we're trying to fill, and they see the fact that we've got good people that are good at what they do and they're winners, it's easy to attract uh, great people into that. And for those that are, are here and we're supporting, uh, obviously, as we would new or tenured individuals, is that we really want to challenge people to get better. And we have this, one of our core values is greatness through accountability and, and passionate desire to improve. We want you to get better at what you do. We want you to be as hard on yourself about your accountability and results as anyone else would and make it easier on your manager uh, to support you in your own professional development. And so we do a lot of things around, again, the jobs that need to be done and the subject matter expertise that we want our individuals to have, whether it be in HR and payroll recruiting in time systems, in, in, in other areas and disciplines inside of the HR space. And so we invest a lot in that. We're very intentional about it. As a small company, uh, we invest a fair amount, uh, at least from my perspective, in HR and talent development, talent acquisition. So a uh, long-winded answer to uh, your, your multi-pronged question, Bridget, and uh, ho hopefully that resonated with you and those that are listening. Yes, I think it also ties back to the idea of Willery's purpose, which is to empower people. And part of that is our internal people, that development. It's also external, whether it's the people we place, the community we work in, the HR and payroll community, or our community at large. That purpose means a lot to how we make our decisions. And one of, I call it kind of the watershed moment with Willery, is that we're going to live this purpose. We're not just gonna say it, we're not just gonna put it on the website, we are living it. And that's a transformation I've seen um, through starting the scaling up journey, but I think it really codified when you began writing the book. And so um, can you share a little bit more about how that came to be and why it's so imperative to you to make an impact? Yeah, so over the years, my individual purpose, as I reflected on this, you get older and you kind of look back and, and look forward. And 
when I first started off as a, as a little person and grew up, I wanted to be a professional golfer. So I did everything I could from age 10 to age 22 to become a professional golfer. And then that, that dream kind of changed in the midst of it. And I then wanted to start a business ultimately was, was, was my next passion. And so in the spirit of that, I, 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 I started my company about 10 or 11 years after I started my career. So throughout that, that non don't want to be a golfer to start a business. I had some shifting priorities and purpose was to start a family was also important to me to buy a house. And then I got some great experience working in corporate America, which then gave me the confidence to be able to start my own firm. And so then I started my own business and then in the midst of that, let's start a family. So uh, my wife and I had uh, two wonderful children. So that became a major priority for me. And then about a couple of years ago, uh, both of my parents passed away in about a 12-month stretch. And that, that was really hard, really difficult. And I, I self-reflected on myself where I was at. So I'd, I'd done all those things except become a professional golfer, right? I started, uh, got married, bought a house, started a family, started a business. So I thought to myself, well, what's next? And I was in a little different position, uh, I'll call it mentally, spiritually, and financially than I was 25 years earlier. And so I just simplified that down to make an impact. How can I make a difference in people's lives one at a time, like literally one at a time, and not try to change the world, you know, a million people at once, just one at a time. And so that became really important to me. And then in, in uh, writing the book, and, and going through this exercise of every weekend trying to pound out 15 to two, 1,500 to 2,000 words, this idea of purposeful commitment really struck me in, in writing. And it was based upon some study I had done around thought leaders, and you mentioned scaling up and some other key parts. And, and then I also was study, studying businesses, ones that were having success. And net-net is the data point shows that purpose-driven companies are more successful than those that are not. And I thought to myself, okay, what, what is our purpose at Willery? I, I couldn't answer it. Uh, I, I guess I could have answered it in my own mind, but we ended up uh, polling the team. We had a great session uh, several years ago, and we came up with this, uh, We Empower People. And honestly, it kind of, I don't want to say it sat on the shelf, but it was, it was words on a website, uh, words on the back of a napkin for, uh, I'll call it maybe 12 to 18 months. And I know you and I were very intentional about trying to be specific about what that meant. And then I think the real uh, changing moment for us is when we aligned uh, our Empower People with a local charitable partner, YOU. And by empowering people, we empower individual team members, we empower uh, the HR and payroll communities that we serve, and now we're empowering uh, the youth, uh, disadvantaged youth throughout Northeast Ohio that uh, are looking to become economically self-sufficient through the support of YOU. So all those things like make you feel good uh, when you're doing your job and when you're having a bad day at work and you're struggling with a client who's a pain in the neck, and then all of a sudden you see a social media post or reminder that uh, some success happened as a result of our, our time, our money, and our resources in supporting YOU, it just makes it worthwhile. And so getting people that believe in that has been a part of our journey the last couple of years, being clear and intentional about what we're going to do with YOU. And uh, every time they say that we're a great partner to them, uh, YOU does about Willery, it puts a big smile on my face. And so that, that was the kind of culmination journey of all that uh, personal 
uh, maturity and the adjustment of my own purpose, and then making it real for our business so that we can uh, not only do good by our employees and have success as a firm, but do something good and give back in the community. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of debate. Should it be a mission, a purpose? And I think ultimately it might not matter what it is if it's clear and intentional and really drives the culture and the core of your business and propels you forward. So do you have any recommendations on how HR professionals can make an impact on their business? Yeah, two things stand out to me, and I know I've overshared this probably on this podcast, but you can probably tell it's really important to me. If you do not have a clearly defined purpose that all of your employees can repeat in four words or less, then, then you need to change that, in my opinion. And if you do not have a charitable partner that you are associating your a good financial benefits from and the resources that your, your organization has with employees that are hopefully like-minded and, and serving the community, then change that change that now. And how do you go about doing that? Well, hopefully buy my book and we'll give you the explanation on what to do. But a quick tease on that is get your leadership team together and have the discussion with them. Study the difference between mission and purpose. We hear about a lot about mission, vision, values, and those things are important. But purpose is, is very much more aspirational. You'll never achieve it. Like when we say we empower people, we're never going to empower every single person in the world but we're going to try like one person at a time. So just think about that. Make it simple with four words or less. Educate your uh, organization about it. That, that's the first thing I'd recommend. The second thing I would tell you is that you need to fight like a mama bear for your employees. I, I think at times uh, I've noticed my wife, my own wife, uh, advocate and fight for my children. And there is no way in the world I am going to get between her and whatever she's trying to advocate for on their behalf. And I've seen other uh, people in that situation where something's going on with their children, and then they are fighting for them. And I cannot tell you enough uh, with an, with in that analogy. Hopefully, people can resonate with that. It really is up to you to advocate for your human resources, your talent. And if you're not doing it, who is? And I, I don't know the answer to that question, frankly. And that's why writing HR Like a Boss was so important to me to empower and encourage and recognize the great work that HR does. And at the same time, be able to uh, give you tools and resources to be able to be that advocate for your employees and fight for them, whether it be in compensation, in recognition, in employee development, in programs, in doing their job more successfully, whatever it might be. If you're not fighting for them, who is? And so I, I can't encourage you enough to make that purpose clear and, and advocate for your employees all the time, nonstop, no questions asked. Thank you. So now is the uh, break for our sponsor, um, and I better get this right, um, but also uh, as probably listeners of the podcast and watchers of the videos know that Willery is the sponsor of the HR Like a Boss podcast and video series. Willery provides the time and resources to make this podcast successful. And so Willery, as you just heard John discuss, is our purpose is to empower people. And from a business standpoint, we do that through helping HR and payroll professionals align with the companies that will allow everyone to succeed. So if you're looking for an HR and payroll job or you're looking to hire an HR and payroll professional, let us know. 
And on the complimentary consulting side, we offer advisory services that help you transform your HR and payroll organization and technical resources in ADP and UKG, making sure that your system is running effectively, you're getting an ROI, and that everyone has the data and information they need out of your technology. So if you're looking for a job, you're looking to hire an HR or payroll professional, or you're looking for advice on how to make your HR and payroll technology and department run better, visit willery.com, and that's W-I-L-L-O-R-Y.com. Nice job, Bridget. That's not easy, is it? It's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, all right. So kind of transitioning into a little bit more about the, the how this came to all be side of things. Um, what's been the most exciting part of writing the book and launching the kind of corresponding content, the videos, the podcasts, the presentations that have come out of it? Yeah, a few things. Number one is, uh, Bridget, honestly, it starts with you. I, I started writing another book. Uh, when my my dad passed away, and uh, your your encouragement and stepping out to make a recommendation, and it was uh, a really great one because the content was already started based upon a presentation we did back uh, at Kent State and Nork back in 2018 2019. So thank you so much for the encouragement. It's been a, a life changing experience. I I I, I owe you one uh, ten times over. Uh, as it relates to other kind of monumental least thought processes for me or, or things that come to mind when, when writing the book is it really has resonated. The title of the book has really resonated the, the podcast and, and the presentations. Uh, this kind of like a boss thing is, is uh, definitely a uh, social media giant. If you, if you Google it appropriately and the way, the way that I describe it is doing something amazingly awesome. And, you know, when you, when you think of human resources and you think of your job, uh, do, do you think of yourself in that way? And the whole idea of this movement is we want you to say yes to that question. A boss, someone that does HR like a boss would say yes to that question. I'm doing it amazingly awesome. Now, in my mind, they would say that to themselves. They wouldn't say it to 19,000 other people that might be listening to them. But if you feel that way, then go for it. But uh, they have an inner strength. They have an inner responsibility. Uh, they take it very seriously. And they, as I said before, advocate for their employees, while at the same time understanding the important aspects of their business and how they can help it succeed as well. So I think that that the title and how the market has responded to that uh, has, been, has been really cool. And I'd say the last thing in all this, and I mentioned this a little bit before, is that I, 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 I got over a major... I call it per, per professional personal hurdle in that uh, I used to not read books five years ago. And I always aspired to write a book because I saw people that did it. And it was a very unique cornerstone in their career from what I've been told. And it was a major accomplishment and people recognized it and noticed it. And I thought, well, if they can do it, so can I. But when I started, I realized I was imposing on in myself of being someone that I really wasn't because I didn't read books. I wasn't good at it. it it's not something that uh, God gave me a gift to do easily. And so I ended up finding the, the beauty of audiobooks, and uh, that has been the way that I consume most of my, I'll call it, uh, written information. So that's been a great tool for me. So from age 21 to 45, I read one book, and that includes going to college. Uh, so just bear that in mind. I was a go to class guy, not a buy the book and read it. 
And then since, you know, let's call it 46 to 49. So that's the last four years. I've probably read 150 books uh, all through audio, uh, the, the majority of them through audio. And so uh, the fact that I was able to pound out 70,000 words in what is uh, the current state of the manuscript of HR Like a Boss, which I know we'll probably trim that down to make it more consumable. Uh, but it was really around uh, believing in myself and then having a structured process to write the book. I took the weekends for about six months, as I mentioned before, uh, 1,500 to 2,000 words. And I just got on a roll. I had great support from you and a writing coach, which was awesome, encouraging me along the way. And as, as a result, I got all those ideas that were in my head onto a piece of paper. And some of them I thought were pretty good. Other people have said that too. And some of them were like really bad or long-winded or overusing words like paramount and imperative. And so that was really interesting to learn. Uh, and so my, my encouragement to everyone is, I don't know if you want to write a book, uh, that that's up to you. It takes a lot of energy and effort, but to write is really important. If you have an idea or you're struggling with a problem or something's happening at work, take a moment on a page to to kind of just scrap that out, to to get out of your head what's uh, into the, the, the atmosphere of the world onto a piece of paper and then read it back and see if it resonates to help you logic through trying to solve that challenge. So those things have been kind of life-changing, altering impacts to me in writing HR Like a Boss. I think that's a great point about getting it out of your head. Um, sometimes the things bounce around and they just take up more mental space than they need to when you can't work through them. And some people work through things uh, verbally. Some people work through it by writing it out. I think sometimes you really just have to relieve that pressure in your head because of that. All right. So do you have a favorite podcast memory? I definitely say memories is how I would describe it. And I'll try to do this real briefly. First off, I, I love the fact that you uh, said, hey, John, you know those interviews you're doing for your book on Zoom? I can turn those into a podcast. I was like, you can? And you did. And then Lizzie, uh, my uh, you, you, marketing quarter, marketing coordinator, and oh, by the way, my niece has done a great job in uh, building out the, the subsequent um, library of podcasts that we've had over the last few years. So, so that part was really cool. I also loved having Tim Sackett on our very first show. I remember how willing and able he was and how entertaining he was on that very first podcast. That was definitely memorable. My brother being on the show, and we talked all about Bruce Springsteen and his love for his music. That was definitely a cool uh, show. And he did curse on the show. So if we got flagged on however podcasts do that, that was pretty funny. Uh, we, we, we we remember that. He, he, was, he was so excited, which that brings me to my other point of joy is that a lot of people have gotten really excited about being on the show. Some even borderline like don't want to do it because they're so nervous. And I try to make them feel as comfortable as I can on the show and 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 be themselves. And then having the Willery team on in the series that we did uh, not too long ago, including yourself, just giving each of them a chance to, to shine. And, and again, some of them were nervous and concerned and making sure they wouldn't screw it up. Uh, that that is that has been fun, but I probably would say the most memorable moment on the podcast is when Brad Owen's son knocked on the door of his office to tell him that his dog had gotten away right in the middle of the show, and we had to we obviously had to immediately stop the show, and then 
Brad luckily like 20 minutes later texted me that they found their dog and everything was okay. Like that, that, that sticks out to me. So I can't remember the dog's name. It had a really cool name, but uh, Brad and that, and that ex exchange and experience. And we re-recorded it not too long after. And uh, he was a pro's pro as you would expect. I believe it's either Batman or Gotham, something. Bruce Wayne, maybe Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Yes. That might be. So it. we're glad Bruce Wayne made it back home. That, that is definitely my most memorable uh, experience in watching that. And you see someone in the throes of panic and you see how they act. And that was very interesting. So I'm going to catch you off guard with a question we didn't agree to, but you might guess as it is now one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, so in my interview with Willary, John asked me, what are three words you would use to describe yourself? Then three more words. And for time, we're just gonna ask you, what are three words you use to describe yourself? Well, I don't know if I say that out loud very much, but I am incredibly competitive. For those that really know me, that 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 is uh, that is something that 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 you would know about me as a human being. So uh, I love to compete. I love to uh, compete in anything, whether it's sports or uh, whether it's in business or it's in a board game with my daughter Mallory. Who uh, it's the she she does not like when I compete against her and not let her win. So uh, that that is a blessing and a curse. I can tell you that for sure. That competitive nature. Secondarily, I, I would say that I. Uh, it, it may not be one word, but I, I love to relate to people. I love relationships. Um, they're really, really important to me, getting to know people, uh, the importance the importance of that. And then I would also say that uh, I like to get things done. Uh, I know that's not uh, those are not three words, but those last two are phrases. Uh, i'm i'm a i'm a I'm an achiever. Uh, I like to get things done. I don't like to idle around. I don't like to sit around. And uh, I'd, I'd say those are the competitive relationship building and achiever would be the way I would describe myself. Thank you for that surprise question. All right. We're going to end with a time honored last question for the HR Like a Boss podcast and video series. How do you describe someone who does HR Like a Boss? Well, I've given this a lot of thought and written it out a thousand times. And so I may be the most prepared to answer this question ever, but the first thing for me is that you have to love what you do and you have to own everything within your span of control. So that to me is someone that does HR like a boss. You also have to do an amazingly awesome job at connecting the people of your business to the purpose of your organization. So the people must understand what the purpose of the company is and you have to find a way to connect them to it. If we can do that well, my guess is, and, and kind of it, it drives into the reason why, a real reason why I wrote this book other than a personal aspiration is that I hate to see the, uh, no offense to Gallup 12 and their survey, I hate to see the dismal engagement level scores that come out every year and tell me that, you know, 50 to two thirds, 50 percent to two thirds, depending on however you read the data, uh, employees are not engaged at work. And it's actually getting worse uh, thanks to uh, the pandemic. And so I hate to see that. That really bugs me a lot. Uh, the fact that people don't like what they're doing or not engaged in what they do. And so I think there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that the HR profession has. Uh, and, and, and I say responsibility and opportunity to make a difference in those employees' lives. And we gave you some, some suggestions prior to uh, some of the other questions on how to do that. 
but increase that level of engagement, give them meaningful work to do and what they do every day. And then also be an astute business person, someone that understands what your organization does, how it gains customers, how it makes money, where the challenges are inside the business. And it's not about human resources. It's about the business components of it and understanding the people that are associated with that business component that are either having great success or lack thereof, which includes understanding how to read truly a financial statement, profit and loss and balance sheet, getting that down uh, so you understand and you can be a savvy business person. And so if we do that for the employees, we drive great results for our, our individual organizations, then the goal is that we can do something good in the world as a result. So you'll hopefully have some extra money laying around every year, every quarter, every month to donate to a charitable organization. And you'll have a group of people that believe in your purpose that want will want to give back into the community. So to be able to do all that is doing nature like a boss. Thank you so much. Um, to recap today's episode, I think you could listen to that question. It does a great job, but I am going to use one phrase from the book to recap this episode, purpose, purpose, purpose. It really is all about connecting the people to your purpose, their passions to their per to your per to the business's purpose, and really understanding who they are on a personal level. And then how do you find the way to connect them to your purpose? Is it getting out in the community? Is it sharing more about the profits and loss? Or is it just understanding what makes them competitive, an achiever, and a relator. So I guess there's one last little question, John. What kind of exciting news do you have to share about the book? Yeah, so we're super excited to share today on this podcast that we have uh, formalized a contract, a publishing agreement with SHRM. So the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, as you know it, is a, uh, a a incredible organization supportive of the HR professional has hundreds of thousands of members and does a tremendous amount of work in the community, not only locally, but on a national and global level. Uh, they have a publishing arm and uh, we're delighted to be a part of uh, their next, hopefully 2023 publishing uh, series of uh, or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what they call it, but we'll be on the docket to be out in 2023. Uh, Bridget and I are working with their team to uh, fine tune the manuscript uh, so we can send it to them in their technical form that they need. And uh, they'll then take it from there and get all the book cover stuff and the copy and editing and get it ready for publication. Uh, our hope is to have it uh, prior to the launch of or the start of the SHRM conference, which is in uh, mid-June. Thank you. And I am so excited. I know how hard you've worked on this and how hard the team, uh, it, it's taken quite a few people and everyone has contributed in remarkable, amazingly awesome ways. And so I'm so excited to see that book in true physical, not just Office Depot printing. You and me both. You and, me, <laughs> and th thank you, Bridget, for your uh, dedication to this important project. You've had as much of a, a imprint on this as I have and I wouldn't be here without you in, in all sincerity. So uh, thank you for your support. And I hope that uh, we can at least get one person to read it that ends up uh, making a difference in their organization. Uh, that'll be fine by me, although the publisher will want us to probably sell more than one book. So please share the word. 
Uh, we'll keep you continuously posted on the progress for the book and make sure you have a way to sign up for it if you want to get updates uh, or or a pre-pre-order to the book, get you on the list. But uh, super excited to make that announcement and partner with Sherm on publishing H for Like a Boss. Yes, details to pre-order will be in the description for the podcast and video series. Uh, with that, I will say thank you, John, for being on your own podcast, but also for letting me interview you and kind of flip the tables a bit. You did a great job. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR. HR.